0: Chapters thirty three and thirty four of Gretchen by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty three at the Park House. It was six months since Jerry had seen Frank Tracy, and in that time he had changed so much that she looked at him wonderingly as he came toward her with a smile on his haggard face and an eager welcome in his voice as he gave her both his hands and told her how glad he was to see her his hair was very white and she noticed how he stooped as he walked with her to the house and told her how anxiously maud was waiting for her but she cannot talk just yet he said you must do all that the doctor tells us there is no danger if she is kept quiet for a few days oh jerry what if i should lose maud after all they were ascending the staircase now and frank was holding Jerry's hand while she tried to comfort and reassure him and then thanked him for the fruit and the flowers he had sent to the cottage for her the day before you are so good to me she said you and mr arthur how lonely the house seems without him yes frank replied though in his heart he felt his brother's absence as a relief for his presence was a constant reproach to him and helped to keep alive the remorse which was always tormenting him The sight of Jerry was a pain, but she held a nameless fascination for him, and he was constantly wondering what she would say and do when she knew, as he was morally sure she would sometime know what he had done. He was thinking of this now, and saying to himself, She will not be as hard upon me as Arthur, as he led her up the stairs and stopped at the door of Arthur's rooms. Would you like to go in? He asked. I have the keys. And he proceeded to unlock the door. But Jerry held back. No she said it is like a grave the ruling spirit is gone but you forget gretchen she is here and one of arthur's last injunctions was that i should visit her every day and tell her he was coming back i have not seen her this morning come he was leading her now by the wrist through the front parlor where the furniture in its white shrouds looked like ghosts and the pictures were covered with tarleton It was dark, too, in the Gretchen room, but Frank threw open the blinds and let in a flood of light upon the picture, before which Jerry stood with feelings such as she had never experienced before when she looked upon that lovely face. A new idea had taken possession of Jerry since she had last seen that picture, and while unsuspected by her, Frank was studying first her features and then those of Gretchen, she was struggling frantically with memories of the past. Oh, I can almost remember! she whispered just as frank's voice broke the spell by saying good morning gretchen arthur is in california but he is coming back he bade me tell you so is he crazy as well as mr arthur are we all crazy together jerry asked herself as she watched him closing the blinds and shutting out the sunlight from the room so that the picture was in shadow i have kept my promise to arthur and now for maude frank said as he accompanied jerry to maude's room on the threshold they met mrs frank just coming out elegantly attired in a muslin wrapper with more lace and embroidery upon it than Jerry had ever worn in her life her hair was carefully dressed her face was powdered and her manner was one of languor and fine ladyism which she had cultivated so assiduously and achieved so successfully not a muscle of her face changed when she saw Jerry, but she closed Maud's door quickly and stepping into the hall, offered the tips of her fingers as she said in a fretful rather than a welcoming tone, "Good morning, you are very late, Maud expected you two hours ago almost immediately after Tom went out. She has worked herself into a great state of feverish nervousness. I am so sorry, Jerry replied, but I could not come sooner. I had a large washing to do, and that takes time, you know." jerry meant no reflection upon the days when dolly had done her own washing and knew that it took time but the lady thought she did and a frown settled upon her face as she replied surely your grandmother might have helped you or harold and maude is so impatient and weak this morning the doctor says there is no danger if she is kept quiet she is only tired out with that room of yours why i am told she has actually puttied up nail-holes and painted walls and sawed boards i hope you like it you ought to for a part of Maud's life and strength is in it oh mrs tracy jerry cried i am so sorry of course i liked the room or did but if it has injured Maud, i shall hate it dolly had given her a little stab and was satisfied so she said in a softer tone maude may recover i think she will but everything must be done to please her and she cannot talk to you this morning remember that and you must not stay too long mamma mamma let Jerry in came faintly from the closed room and then mrs tracy stood aside and let Jerry pass into the luxurious apartment where maude lay upon a silken couch with a soft rose-coloured shawl thrown over her shoulders her eyes large and bright and her face as white almost as a corpse one looking at her needed not to be told of the peril there was in exciting her and jerry felt a cold chill creep over her as she went to the couch and kneeling beside it kissed the quivering lips and smoothed the dark hair while she tried to speak naturally and cheerfully as if in her mind there was no thought of danger to the beautiful girl who smiled so lovingly upon her and kept caressing her hands and her face as if she would thus express her gladness to see her i know all about it maud jerry said tom told me and your mother you tired yourself out for me Hush don't speak or i shall go away she continued as she saw Maud's lips move you are not to talk you are to listen just for a day or two and then you will be better and come to the cottage and see my lovely room it is so pretty and i like it so much and thank you and harold so much he has gone to the allen farm to-day to paint she said in answer to an eager questioning look in Maud's eyes he does not know you are sick he will come when he can see you to-morrow maybe would you like to have him a pressure of the hand was maude's reply as the moisture gathered upon her heavy eyelashes but Jerry kissed it away and then talked to her of whatever she thought would please her once she made her laugh as she took off little billy imitating his voice so perfectly that a person outside would have said he was in the room Jerry's talent for imitation and ventriloquism had not deserted her although she did not so often practise it as when a child but she brought it into full play now to amuse maude and imitated every individual of whom she spoke except arthur he was the one person whose peculiarities she could not take off i have been to mr arthur's room she said but it seemed so desolate without him do you hear from him often i have only had one letter and then he was in salt lake city at the continental in a room he said was big enough for three rooms and had not a single bad smell in it except the curtains which were new and in which he did detect a little odour here Maud laughed again while there came into her face a faint colour and a look which made Jerry's breath come quickly as for the first time the thought flashed across her mind that if what she had been foolish enough to dream of were true Maud was her cousin her own flesh and blood Maud, she said suddenly with a strong desire to fold the frail little body in her arms and tell her what she had thought but when Maud looked up inquiringly at her she only put her head down upon the shawl and began to cry then regardless of consequences Maud raised herself upon her elbow and laying her face on jerry's head began herself to cry piteously jerry jerry she sobbed you think i am going to die i know you do and so does everybody but i am not i cannot die when there is so much to live for and my home is so beautiful and i love everybody so much and terrified beyond measure jerry put her hand over Maud's mouth and said almost sharply if you want to live you must not talk be careful and you will get well the doctor says so but Jerry's fears belied her words when she saw the pallor in Maud's face as she sank back upon her pillow, exhausted while with her handkerchief she wiped a faint coloring of blood from her lips. I have stayed too long, Jerry said as she arose from her seat by the couch. Then Maud spoke again in a whisper, Send Harold soon, i will Jerry replied, and kissing the death-like face, she went softly from the room, thinking to herself as she descended the stairs i believe i could give harold to her now chapter thirty four under the pines with tom jerry found tom just where she had left him on the piazza outside waiting for her it would seem for the moment she appeared he arose and going with her down the steps walked by her side along the avenue toward the point where she would turn aside into the road which led to the cottage how did you find Maud? he asked weaker than i supposed jerry replied and so tired oh tom i know she hurt herself worrying about my room as she did and what if she should die nonsense tom answered carelessly Maud won't die she's got the tracy constitution which nothing can kill don't fret about your room Maud liked being there nothing could keep her away and don't flatter yourself that it was all love for you which took her there so much for it wasn't she is just mashed with harold while he well what can a young man do when a pretty girl and maude is pretty when she gushes at him all the time it is a regular flirtation and everybody knows about it except mother and the gov who is the gov jerry asked sharply why you vassars must be very innocent tom replied with a laugh not to know that gov is one's respected sire the old man some call him but i am more respectful my gracious though isn't it sweltering i'm nearly baked you make me walk so fast and he wiped the great drops of sweat from his forehead why don't you go back then jerry asked i am going home with you he replied do you think i'd let you go alone go alone jerry repeated stopping short and fixing her blue eyes upon him you have let me go alone a hundred times and after dark too when i was much smaller than i am now and less able to defend myself supposing there was anything to fear which there is not pray go back and not trouble yourself for me i shall not go back tom said i waited on purpose to come with you there is something i must say to you and i may as well say it now as any other time Jerry was tall, but Tom was six inches taller, and he was looking down into her eyes with an expression in his before which hers fell, for she guessed what it was he wished to say to her, and her heart beat painfully as, without another word, she walked rapidly on until they were in the woods, near a place where four tall pines formed a kind of oblong square. Here an iron seat had been placed years before, when the Tracy children were young, and held what they called their picnics under the thick boughs of the pines which shaded them both from heat and cold laying his hand on Jerry's shoulder tom said to her sit here with me under the pines while i tell you what for a long time i have wanted to tell you and which may as well be told at once Jerry did not speak but she sat down upon the seat and taking off her hat began to fan herself with it while with the end of her parasol she tried to trace letters in the thick carpet of dead pine needles at her feet her attitude was not encouraging and a less conceited man than tom would have felt disheartened but he was not no girl would be insane enough to refuse tom tracy of tracy park and at last he made the plunge and told her of his love for her and his desire to make her his wife i know i was a mean little scamp when i was a boy he said and did a lot of things for which i am ashamed but i always thought you the prettiest little girl i ever saw and now i think you the prettiest big one and i have had splendid opportunities for seeing girls you know i have travelled a great deal and been in the very best society and if i may say it i think i can marry almost anyone whom i choose i used to fear lest you and hal would hit it off together or rather that he would try to get you but since he and maude are so thick my fears in that quarter have vanished and i am constantly building castles as to what we will do i did not mean to ask you quite so soon but the sight of you this morning washing your clothes with all that soapy steam in your face decided me not to put it off a tracy has no business in a wash-tub did no tracy ever wash her own clothes Jerry asked with an upward and sidewise turn of her head habitual with her when startled or stirred there was a ring in her voice which tom did not quite like but he answered promptly oh of course years ago but times change and you certainly ought not to be familiar with such vulgar things and at tracy park you will be surrounded with every possible luxury father and maude and uncle arthur will be overjoyed to have you there and if on my part love and money can make you happy you certainly will be so you have plenty of money of your own jerry said with another upward toss of her golden head the question was full of sarcasm but tom did not detect it and answered at once why yes or i shall have in time uncle arthur you know is in no condition to make a will now it would not stand a minute all the lawyers say that you have taken counsel then the parasol dug a great hole in the soft pines and was in danger of being broken as tom replied oh yes we are sure of that whatever uncle arthur has and it is more than a million will go to father and after him to maude and me so you are sure to be rich and to be the mistress of tracy park which will naturally come to me think jerry what a different life you will lead at the park house from what you do now washing old mrs crawford's stockings and harold's overalls yes i am thinking jerry answered very low and if tom had followed the end of her parasol he would have seen that it was forming the word gretchen in front of him suppose mr arthur has a wife somewhere jerry asked a wife tom exclaimed that is impossible we should have heard of that who was gretchen was the next query oh some sweetheart i suppose some little german girl with whom he amused himself a awhile and then cast off as men usually do such encumbrances tom did not quite know himself what he was saying or what it implied and he was not at all prepared to see the parasol stuck straight into the ground while jerry sprang to her feet and confronted him fiercely tom tracy if you mean to insinuate a thing which is not good and pure against gretchen i'll never speak to you as long as i live take back what you said about mr arthur's casting her off she was his wife and you know it dead perhaps i think she is but she was his wife his true and lawful wife and i sometimes she could not add think she was my mother for the words stuck in her throat where her heart seemed to be beating wildly and choking her utterance why Jerry? tom said startled at her excited appearance and anxious to appease her what ails you i hardly know what i said and if i have offended you i am sorry i know nothing of gretchen her face is a good one and a pretty one and Maud says you look like her though i don't see it for i think you far prettier than she perhaps she was my uncle's wife but that does not injure my prospects for of course she is dead or she would have turned up before this time we have nothing to fear from her she may have left a child what then Jerry asked with as steady a voice as she could command pshaw humbug tom replied with a laugh that is impossible a child would have been heard from before this time there is no child i'm sure i hope not as that would seriously interfere with our prospects think of some one say a young lady walking in upon us some day and claiming to be arthur tracy's daughter what would you do Jerry asked in a tone of smothered excitement i believe i'd kill her tom said laughingly or marry her if i had not already seen you but don't worry about that there is no child there is nothing between us and a million and you have only to appoint the day which will make me the happiest of men and free you from a drudgery which just to think of sets my teeth on edge will you name the day Jerry? if it had been possible for a look to have annihilated tom the scorn which blazed in jerry's eyes would have done so to hear him talk as if the matter were settled and the money he was to inherit from his uncle could buy her made her blood boil and seizing her poor parasol still standing up so straight in the pine needles she stepped backward from him and said in a mocking voice thank you tom for the honor you would confer upon me and which i must decline For I would rather wash grandma's stockings all my life, and Harold's overalls too, than marry a man for money. Jerry, oh, Jerry, you don't mean it! You do not refuse me! Tom cried in alarm, stretching out his arm to reach her, but touching only the parasol, to which he clung desperately, as a drowning man to a straw. I do mean it, Tom, she said, softened a little by the pain she saw in his face, I can never be your wife. But why not? tom demanded many a girl who stands higher socially in the world than you would gladly bear my name i might have married governor story's daughter at saratoga last summer but one thought of you was enough to keep me from her you cannot be in earnest but i am i care nothing for your money which may or may not be yours i do not love you tom and without love i would not marry a prince it was very hard for tom to believe that jerry really meant to refuse him who with all his love for her and he did love her as well as he was capable of loving any one still felt that he was stooping or at least was honouring her greatly when he asked her to be his wife and she had refused him and kept on refusing him in spite of all he could say and worse than all made him feel at last that she did not consider it an honour to be mrs tom tracy of tracy park and did not care either for him or his prospective fortune she called it that finally and then tom grew angry and taunted her with fostering a hope that arthur might make her his heir or at least leave her some portion of his money but i tell you he can't do it a crazy man's will would never stand and he is crazy and you know it you will never touch a dollar of uncle arthur's money if you live to be a hundred unless it comes to you from me don't flatter yourself that you will and don't flatter yourself either that you will ever catch hal hastings who is the real obstacle in my way he is after maude who ought to look higher than a painter a carpenter a tom tracy and Jerry's parasol was raised so defiantly and her eyes flashed so indignantly that tom did not finish what he was going to say but cowered before the angry girl who hurled her words at him with such scathing vehemence tom tracy stop you have said enough when you made me believe that you really did care for me and i suppose you must or you would not have thrown over a governor's daughter for me or left so many love-lorn high-born maidens out in the cold i was sorry for you for i hate to give any one pain and i would rather have you my friend than my enemy but when you taunt me with expectations from your uncle here jerry paused for the lump in her throat would not suffer the words to come and there arose before her as if painted upon canvas the low room the white stove the firelight on the whiter face and the little child in the far-off german city but she would have died sooner than have told tom of this or that the conviction was strong upon her that she would one day stand there under the pines herself the heiress of tracy park gretchen's memory honoured and gretchen's wrongs wiped out after a moment she went on i care nothing for your money and less for you who show the meanest there is in your nature when you speak of harold hastings as you have done suppose he is poor suppose he is a painter and a carpenter and has been what you started to call him is he less a man for that a thousand times no and if Maud has won his love she should be prouder of it than of a duchess's coronet i do not wish to wound you but when you talk of harold you make me so mad good morning it is time for me to be at my drudgery as you call it she walked swiftly away leaving her parasol which she had again thrust into the ground flopping in the breeze which had just sprung up and each flop seemed to mock the discomfited tom who greatly astonished but not at all out of conceit with himself sat looking blankly after her as with her head and shoulders more erect than usual if possible she went on almost upon a run until a turn in the road hid her from view then he arose and shook himself together and picking up the soiled parasol folded it carefully and put it upon the seat saying as he did so by george did that girl know what she was about when she refused me End of chapters thirty three and thirty four